Welcome to Sound Practice, the business podcast for physicians and healthcare leaders, hosted by Mike Sakopoulos and produced by the American Association for Physician Leadership. Recently, incoming FDA Commissioner Robert Califf announced his concern that misinformation about science is increasingly prevalent. Califf went on to state the obvious. Misinformation about science is a significant public health threat. Social media, whether intentionally or unintentionally, magnifies, propagates, and disseminates misinformation quickly. Mark Twain famously said, a lie can travel halfway around the world before the truth puts on its shoes. If Twain had Facebook, that lie would have made it further. In this episode, we speak with a national expert on the impact of social media. Kara Swisher is a thought leader and journalist par excellence. Prepare to tackle one of the vexing issues of our age. Let's begin. My guest today is author, technology columnist, and podcast host, Kara Swisher. Ms. Swisher has been on the tech scene since the early 90s. She has written for the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post. She started the All Things Digital Conference with Walt Mossberg, uh, also from the Wall Street Journal, back in 2003. Later, she started the website Recode, which Fox acquired in 2015. These days, Kara Swisher is editor-at-large for New York Media, a contributor to the New York Times, and host of the podcasts Sway and Pivot. Kara? Welcome to Sound Practice. Thanks very much. We're very, very pleased to, to have you. And as you know, Sound Practice is a podcast to educate physicians on issues that have an impact on their patient care and their uh, positions as physician leaders. Certainly platforms such as Facebook, Twitter, Google have substantial control over information our fellow Americans uh, see. And I know you've been vocal about the lack of regulation surrounding tech companies and the content that they are producing. And of course, what comes to mind is COVID-19 misinformation, mm -hmm. right? We know, the, we know the playbook. It's COVID isn't dangerous. The vaccine is dangerous. Mm -hmm. And you can't trust doctors or, or scientists. How, how did we end up here? Well, I think it's been part of a long stretch of, of the ability of these companies to act as platforms and not as media companies, which they are in a lot of ways, and get the protections of platforms, which come from a law that was passed many, many years ago called Section 230. And so it's allowed to be a situation where anyone can post anything, and that's not, there, that's not inherently wrong for people to be able to do that, but that it floods the system. And then the companies that are doing these platforms have no responsibility to put out accurate information. And so these in many countries and in, across our country, these become de facto news organizations is how people got get their information, whether they like it or not, they're media companies. And I think you've seen it just recently around Joe Rogan and Spotify. They actually paid him, right? In the case of Facebook, they don't pay most of the people. They may make money from them and everything else, but they don't necessarily pay them, though in the past they have 
paid people for media. Um, and they certainly do make editorial decisions. And so it's been growing for a long time. I just did an interview today that posted with Lenny Posner, who's one of the parents of the uh, the kids that were murdered at uh, Sandy Hook Elementary School. Um, and that was sort of, he called it the canary in the coal mine of what was happening. This was a, someone who's been around and continues to make a lot of trouble online, Alex Jones, who started to posit that this was a hoax and um, this tragedy was a hoax and that they were child actors, et cetera. Well, on and on. And most of that happened online and was joined by a lot of people in what uh, Mr. Posner uh, called a giant party to like do detective work on something that was fake, putting up fake memes and everything else. And then going from there um, and, 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 the, and the platform's doing nothing. And it was a lot about his struggle to get them to take stuff down, which was huge. The, the struggle he had to get to false information down. This is the life of one person you know, false information about himself, actually accurate information about where he lived. So he got doxxed, et cetera. And then just a continual, um, you know, the worst thing that could ever happen to this man happened. And then he was continually um, bullied and de uh, demonized and attacked. The tragedy just added on to itself and these platforms did nothing to stop it. It should have been a warning signal to us what was happening there. It took them forever to get Alex Jones off the platform gave an enormously wide berth and pretended it was a free speech issue, which it is not. It is a false information issue. And it is about, it's about a lot of things, but it's, they, they like to wrap themselves in the First Amendment. So here we are today, same thing. It's except better. They're better at it. And different forces are doing it. This time it's anti-vax people. Um, not everyone is an anti-vax people. You can raise all kinds of issues around your doctors. I certainly have been a pain in the ass to my doctors, but not to the level that they, that this has happened, not in questioning, you know, basic facts and science. Again, you can argue about masks, the efficacy of masks. You can argue about mandates. That's certainly a worthy thing for a democracy to argue about. You can argue about the importance of public health over individual uh, responsibility, over individual freedom. That's worthy of a democracy to discuss that. But what happens is they flood the zone with all kinds of misinformation or give equal time to things that are patently false and then you have and then do nothing about it and so spotify is the perfect example of this because they paid him they paid him and now they're trying to pretend they're just a platform but they have a media relationship with someone who has put forward some speakers that he didn't push back on that he just allowed them to say whatever they said he has a very powerful platform nobody's suggesting uh, I think the issue is with the platform itself and not necessarily with, uh, with Joe Rogan, although many people have issues with Joe Rogan. Many people like Joe Rogan. And so um, it sort of just it goes it, the continuum of these these platforms allowing this to happen is something that and then we do nothing about is sort of a really fascinating um, way that we allow the technology to take over ourselves over and control us in ways that has started way back when and has continued to this day. Let's move to a different platform. Mm -hmm. Facebook mm -hmm. now Meta has market cap of eight to 900 billion, not, although yeah. that that's, that's dropped a little bit yeah. uh, uh, recently, but Facebook and, and really other tech companies mm -hmm. have reported that they, that they just can't stay on top of, uh, all of the disinformation. Okay. And it seems they would have the resources or be able to deploy uh, solutions to stay on top of it. Is mm -hmm. it a situation that they can't or that they just don't want to? 
Well, it's complex, obviously, but the, the, the fact of the matter is they've never been the more lucrative. And, you know, when I look at people who are the wealthiest people in the history of the planet, save John D. Rockefeller, if you put him in 2022 terms, um, I have to say, and that are wildly profitable, really, you can't pay for this, you can't do, they don't want to pay for it. They, it's costly to do what they need to do. My feeling was, um, you know, when they said, this is the way, you know, this is unfortunately the way it is, well, why did, at one point, Mark Zuckerberg said, the, the founder of Facebook, one of the founders of Facebook, or really the principal founder of Facebook, said was, you know, you can't control, you can't control this. Um, it's very hard to do. Uh, you can't moderate it as easily. And I said, I remember saying to him, why'd you build a platform you can't moderate? Like, too bad. It's your responsibility. It's your, it's on you. And I think they would like to have it both ways. They'd like to be able to say it's really difficult and and we can't do anything about it and you can't make us do anything about it and this is the way it's built and i don't i think that's just cowardly in so many ways in terms of doing that and so i don't think they don't want to they've made all kinds of efforts to do so i i think ultimately it's the architecture of the situation which allows no editorial no editorial in it except when they feel like it because they do do editorial that's the irony they're like we're not editors i'm like well why did you take this out why did you take that out? Why? they do it all the time every day they change like mark changes mind on holocaust deniers one day they were fine one day they weren't we're at the we're at the mercy of this guy who just changes his mind but never wants to be accurate right uh, never, never. Accuracy is not really the the goal at all for some reason. And you look at like there's a trial of the New York Times right now with Sarah Palin. You know, she's I, I'm obviously you know what side I'm on, but you know the fact of the matter is they're in trial. You know, they made a mistake, they corrected it, um, and they're still on trial. So good, good. That's a good thing. I don't like Sarah Palin, but boy, does she have the right to do that, right? And so uh, under the laws that we have, there are no ways for anybody, including someone like Lenny Posner, to fight back against any of this. And that's, to me, the inability to sue them, no liability, f free and unfettered power, and no regulation, really, and, and, and that we're at the mercy of one or two people to tell us what our society should do is, I don't know, that's a prescription for disaster. You were... You alluded to Section 230 mm -hmm. of the Communication Decency Act earlier, and I think that that is where, where we're headed right right now. Can you tell our audience a little bit about what that, that section uh, says and why it's problematic? Yeah, it's part of a law. It's not problematic. It's a good thing, too. Like, it's a law that was passed many years ago in the 90s. Um, I think it was the 90s, maybe the 80s. Um, it was part of a larger act that much of which was declared unconstitutional. But this particular part was to help nascent Internet platforms or digital plat online. I think they call them online platforms so that they weren't sued by they could that they could moderate, that they could do the things necessary to keep the place clean, essentially, because if they they had all this third party information on there and they weren't responsible for it. And therefore, they couldn't be sued for something I said about someone. And as opposed to a media company, which paid and delivered it to you, you know what I mean? Or whether it's a book publisher or a newspaper or whatever, they, they have liability. It's hard to sue against a newspaper, but you can still do it, um, for example. Uh, anyway, everybody has liability in the world. You know, if you have a bumpy sidewalk, you have liability. If you, Everybody has liability. You hit a car. It doesn't matter. Everyone has that. And that's why you have insurance, et cetera. And so in this case, they didn't have any. And so it, it, it allowed them to be able to moderate and to grow without threat of legal repercussions at every second, because you could have seen that these, these industries 
being killed in the in the crib uh, in terms of 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 what they as they were being born by lawyers and stuff like that. And so um, they did that. And now it protects some of the most it protects a lot of things. It protects not just Internet companies, by the way, um, but it protects a lot of most mostly it's been to the benefit of Internet companies to be able not to be sued for things that are on their platform that they're not quote responsible for um and it's very short it's a very short thing and so it's had some parts eked out of it around child trafficking and um sex stuff and 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 people think that's a they call it a slippery slope that's their people's favorite term when they don't like changing things um so they 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 it seems like they may try to eke out more on health information maybe and some other things when people are blatantly wrong and stuff like that. Uh, it's difficult to see what's going to happen to that, but it, certainly removing it is a problem too because then it opens up a floodgate of legal action that you've got to figure it out to do it in a way that's not quite as, it's easier to sue the bigger people and not the lesser, smaller companies that could still get hurt by the lack of Section 230. One suggestion has been to say that um algorithms are not covered under section yes 230 correct yes. so maybe the content that is placed by a third party onto a platform would be covered but how it is displayed or prioritized by yep. Yep. Uh, the platform yep. would would not come under the 230 yeah, exemption uh how do you feel yeah. about that it's interesting it's an interest i mean i think one of these it's like any law like there can be real problems as you put laws in i think one of the ones that i have more problem with is the one where um one uh, one agency of the government i think it was the health and human services gets to decide what's science well last administration love the bleach so i don't know if we want that to happen right because company you know there's a different hhs secretary and i don't want to put it in the hands of a government agency to say so but there is there are probably ways to decide it i i that's an interesting way adding liability is an interesting way in certain way in certain instances um you know you can try to figure out where it goes the problem is this stuff goes in every direction it can if it's healthcare today and covid you know and back then it was you know child actors acting out of massacre which was an obvious massacre or the holocaust it can go lots and lots in different ways and election lies what do you do about trump putting out election lies well they pulled him off the platforms which is editing right they edited him off the platform um whether they like to say it or not i think they use different deplatform, but it is editing really pretty much we've had enough of you and you've broken our rules and you're gone um it's more like kicking someone out of a bar i guess i don't much because it's a private company you know you're you know, get out of our bar. We don't like you. Um, or you broke our rules or you broke whatever, you broke a table. Um, so I, I think it's going to be difficult. But, you know, one thing that the that the government hasn't done is anything like and actually in Europe, they're they're doing a lot of things. They just they're in a big beef with Facebook over servers where servers are located privacy around privacy. Often in Europe is around privacy issues, which is, I think, where a lot of the U.S. stuff should focus, because then it sort of gets at the heart of their business model and they they may try to be a little, they may change in other ways if you, you aim at their privacy issues. But in Europe, they want to put the servers there and Facebook is threatened to leave and Europe's like, bye, don't let the door hit you on the way out kind of thing. Um, so we'll see where that goes. Um, because around the world, there's certainly an awareness that this is an important issue. But algorithms is one way to do it. There's lots of different suggestions, lots of laws, lots of enforcement. Uh, giving money to our enforcement agencies would be nice. I just did an interview with Lena Khan. And literally a major government official said, we're too small to fight these companies. Honestly, government, the U.S. government's too small to fight these companies. Think about that.
Is that the inverse of um, too big to fail, too small to regulate? Uh, too, we're too small. Yeah, you know, I think it was she was noting she's the head of the FTC, Lena Khan. Um, she's been a critic of tech companies, um, but you know, she's. I mean, they don't. They are trying to get her recused, of course. But she, you know, that's why that he should got hired because she's a critic of tech companies. Um, and she was saying, you know, at, correctly noting the number of mergers is has just ballooned, and she's got a staff that's smaller than the 1980s, I think, something like that. And and then the money to give them more money uh, is stuck in Congress, which can't decide what to have for lunch, I guess. And so they can't pass basic laws. Basically, you know, everything is sucked up into these big bills. And so it was in one of them. I forget which one. It's sort of stuck there. They're the money for enforcement for both them and the Justice Department. So you can only do so much when they have more lawyers and more more uh, PR people and more everything. And maybe it's just stating the obvious, but it seems a bit dangerous to have the enforcers publicly admit that they're having an ability to properly enforced, right? I mean, that's almost a green light to go yeah. forward and do what yeah. you like. Well, it's, well, that's what they're doing. They just flooded the agency with all kinds of mergers. And so at some point, the agency's got to pick one and make an example of it. But what if they lose, right? So you have to be super careful. And it, make, it, it, it makes for a very cautious agency because you don't want to like, you know, blow, blow it on one bat is the problem. But they don't have an ability to make more than um, one or two, you know, kind of things. And I don't know. And they and they also can outlast these people. It's not like, you know, things could change in the midterm elections. They take advantage of all the good things about our government, which is is, you know, that people get elected again. And one of the, my issues is that most of the all these companies are unaccountable. And and you may hate your politicians, whatever side you're on, you may think politics sucks, but at least they're elected. That's what I say. Even if there's all kinds of corruption involved, even if et cetera, et cetera, they are for the most part elected, you know, they're elected officials. Nobody put, uh, nobody elected uh, Facebook that I recall. Well, except by using it, right? Except that's not an election. That's something else. That's a choice, a consumer choice, which is actually it's going down. So that's another consumer choice. Hmm. Emergency room physicians are certainly now on the front lines uh, for the anti-vax rhetoric coming from unvaccinated uh, patients, and pediatricians have been dealing with this for, for many years. Mm -hmm. The anti-vax movement certainly is not new, and people no. somehow forget that we've had outbreaks of measles in Oregon and Orange County, California, all tied back to the anti-vax uh, messaging. So it really appears that social media has has turbocharged all all of this. Do mm -hmm. you would you agree with that statement? Oh, yes, 100%. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's the thing. It's just they've gotten turbocharged by the internet and the ability to use these tools. Like any of these malevolent players have been able to do it. They're, they're following a playbook and they're getting better at it. You know, they pop up here, they pop up there. Um, it's hard to regulate them. Look, I, I have to say Facebook and others have really tried hard. Um, it's just that, uh, you know, they didn't, they did they waited too long. These people have gotten this, you know, it, it can really, on one hand, it's great for people to protest, whatever they feel like protesting on the other, it creates the ability to, to put false information out. Like, I don't mind if people have an argument, here's my argument and this is what it is. And I'm sure doctors hate it. Like here's, you know, I'm sure they hate it and you can only do so much with, with people, but there is some, uh, such a thing called the public good and public health. Um, and, and we all make agreements by not going through a stop sign or not using red lights or, 
wearing pants, although that's changed, I think, during the, the pandemic. I know everyone's at home, but now we need to go back to wearing pants or whatever it happens to be. We Please. make social contracts with people and with other people in our society. And if it's going to be an anything goes kind of thing, you know, we're really, it's really problematic. There's lots of studies of that. It's, it always degenerates into chaos. And, you know, I'm sure doctors are so already sick of Dr. Google, right? When people come in and say, let me just tell you what I read on the internet, right? I call it Dr. Google. My brother's <laughs> doctor. He's like, oh, Dr. Google again, um, which must be irritating. At the same time, maybe physicians should think about being more open with their, you know, I've had lots of health issues and over the years. And it's always like, we'll tell you, we'll tell you, you know, it's, a, it's an attitude of, of not a lot of like, we're the experts, we're the priests. And I think that has to change. That has changed, obviously, which is a good thing. It's just a question of when, when it comes to really bad information that you can't push back against. That's really the problem. I think. We've seen some specific targeting that in my mind is, is really frightening, moving in upon monstrous. Uh, an example, the Orthodox uh, Jewish community or the Somalian community, mm -hmm. uh, where they were misinformation to this, specifically to these communities about vaccination. And so we've seen incredibly low vaccination rates and uh, obviously correspondingly higher uh, infection um, rates. Any wonder why physicians uh, have difficulty gaining trust around uh, vaccinations in these kind of communities? Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, again, uh, issues around religion are very difficult to parse out, right? Like, I think I, I wouldn't, I think these would be an issue no matter what, right? This is an issue no matter what. And I think it just, it gets strengthened by all kinds of information on the internet where people get either wrong information or other ways to treat it or whatever. They get, they, they have more and more information to bolster what is, what are false claims, right? That there's so much false information, it's hard to fight against it. I don't know what you would do if I was, you know, what you could show to people. You can show them numbers and statistics, but, you know, I have a relative who I showed numbers and statistics to. Well, that's your opinion. I was like, no, these are the actual facts. <laughs> like, what do you do with that? You know, or this is my belief. This is the people, I think probably religious people, probably, this is my belief. Um, and then I'm not sure what you do. You have to get the government involved and these people have to be isolated, I guess. I don't know. That's the discussion we need to have. If you're not going to join in, if you're not going to join in something that's a public health emergency, you, I don't know. That's the thing. That's something our public officials have to start to talk about. And of course, that's where the real uh, problems are. You go to Florida, you have one set of rules. You go to New York, you have another set of rules. You go to San Francisco, you have another set of rules. So I'm not sure this is ever going to be resolved. And it's just been made more powerful by internet tools for people to be able to press their particular case. Some social media platforms, Twitter, Reddit, have started to do more to stem the flow of misinformation, particularly during the, the, the pandemic. Twitter's labeling manipulated media and multiple platforms have now reporting options that things can be, be flagged. Isn't this somewhat of a game of whack-a-mole Yes, that's exactly what it is. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Um, that's what it is. It's a game of whack-a-mole. And so people get more and more sophisticated in how to manipulate these these platforms. I, I honestly don't, I, I would not want to have to deal with this, um, but they, they need to impose stronger editorial 
rules on this stuff. And sometimes they'll get it wrong. Uh, you know what I mean? I think they're fearful of getting it wrong more than they are fearful of removing wrong things from the platform. Um, you know, th that's happened a couple of years ago when Facebook was taking down breast cancer stuff and they took down that famous uh, picture of the, the little girl in my life. I think it was my life somewhere in Vietnam where she was running from um, mm -hmm. what, a, what, what an amazing, important journalistic photo that was. Um, but, you know, you can make mistakes, then you correct them, right? You correct them if you over, you do think. I think the problem, one of the biggest problems is, is you don't have a lot of choices. You, that, that's, a, that's an issue around power and around consolidation. And that's, again, a thing for our government officials to deal with. Why are these companies allowed to get so big that there are no other options? Um, you know, I'm just having an interesting conversation with people on the right who are trying to build their own. When Parler got knocked off of, um, of Amazon and Google and Apple for violating its rules, you got to wonder why it was Parler and not Facebook, since as it's turned out, Facebook's been was one of the biggest purveyors of misinformation around January 6th, right? They were the tools and the purveyor of misinformation and the gathering point. And, they, the, and you know, Parler didn't behave right either, but why them versus Facebook? You know, think about that. I, I mean, I, I don't agree with most of these people and think they're heinous in so many ways, but at the same time, well, that's a very excellent question. Should you build more and more things so that people can have their own platforms to disseminate their own information. I think that this well, the concentration is a real problem. Right. And it, it seems like another alternative is to, is to break up yeah. the key platforms, right? I mean, yeah, not right. unlike what yeah, we did true. with, with Ma Bell, where we broke yeah, it into different, different it's telephone companies. And there's right? no choices. There's no choices if you're, especially, you know, I think it would get rid of a lot of the, you know, you know, you have, well, Trump is mostly creating Trump social. We'll see. Uh, it doesn't ex exist as far as I can tell. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of them. There's like Rumble and um, Getter and Parler and uh, MeWe and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, people, you can have whatever political side you want to be on, but there should be lots of choices. That's, to me, the, the best way to deal with this stuff. When there's one choice, it's going to naturally attract all kinds of attention and become a lightning rod. And so, and by the way, then only... Like, for example, the deplatforming of Donald Trump, look, most people agree he broke the rules of all the platforms he was on constantly. And then finally, they took him off at, the, at that critical moment, it took him that long to take them off. And for that reason, um, meaning that they didn't want to be handmaids to sedition, essentially. And so what what was interesting about that is that I agreed with the decision, but I was disturbed that two people made it. Two unelected people made this decision to deplatform the president of the United States. That's really, that's really something if you think about it. And I don't know what to do about it, but that's not really something, except maybe there should be 20 places. I, I guess then it would be a little fair. But in general, I think you'd agree with me that the social media communities do not police themselves very well. No, they don't police right. anything very well. They Like I, I use the metaphor constantly, which is they own the city, they collect all the rents and they don't provide police, fire, stop signs, garbage, um, any kind of safety issues. They don't fill the potholes. They don't, it's like the worst run city in America, right? You can complain all you want about various cities in America, but they look fantastic in comparison um, to these cities. And then you're on your own, like, good luck, have a good time. Sorry if you get killed. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. You know, sorry if you get bad information. Sorry if you get killed. Sorry. Oh, well, not my responsibility. I think you wouldn't put up with that for 14 seconds in real life. 
I mean, I, I wouldn't. So, so give me some ideas how we can involve physicians to make them part of the conversation or to get lawmakers uh, to make changes here to get some degree of accountability, because it really is mm -hmm. a matter of life and death. It is indeed. Um, you know, look, start with the premise, you're never going to get to a perfect society like that. You're always going to have people that think, you know, going way back, like, drink the vinegar, that'll solve cancer, whatever it is, whatever it happens to be. Like, you know, my grandmother had 90 different solutions to all kinds of illnesses, you know, migraines. She had something with oil and a knife under the bed. So, okay, you know, fine, whatever. Um, but uh, but I think one is the, 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 the strengthening of science as a trusted institution um that one of the problems is is it's been put out like science can't make mistakes it obviously makes mistakes um and that's very obvious to a lot of people um and so how do you then get get people into the mode that this is a group of people trying to help you and try to trying to figure it out and sometimes we're wrong but you know we're off we're all most always right on on things and we're caring for them. another is the i that that these platforms can't be the only place for this information that you had that the government has to do a better job of disseminating information far and wide about about things um, we have to also live in a full information environment and so doctors have to realize um that i think i think someone in the government told me the most effective way for to convince people to get a vaccination is the doctor themselves a, a, a close relationship with with their patients and really taking the time uh, for to really talk to um, to talk to your patients. I mean, I think that's the, the hand that is the best way to do it, from what I understand from most doctors. Um, I think um, lobbying Congress to like get to, to, to break up some of these companies or to get, or, or to create more innovation. So there's a lot more ways to disseminate information that isn't just subject to one or two companies. Um, you know, Google has 97% of search, right? Are they a utility? Like that's, yeah, kind of, you know, Facebook has some huge amount of, of that, of that. So, and then there's of course, public pressure, you know, Facebook, not Facebook, Amazon was recently stopped selling a, a, a chemical that was people use for suicide um, uh, after a lot of pressure, a lot of public pressure and media pressure. That's another way to do it. Tell your stories, tell the stories of what can happen if we don't do things like this. Um, and, and then, you know, talk a lot, uh, talk a lot about the idea that there should be more choices for people to get their information and it shouldn't be a single place. And once, when, if it is a single place, these people have to do a better job moderating what's happening there. And do you think that people will want multiple channels? It, it seems to me that, that we segregate and pick one media channel, even though there may be many available. Mm -hmm. um, not unlike Sunday morning mean, being the, um, uh, the time of, of the week that we're most segregated from one another, right? Mm -hmm. um, do multiple platforms and channels matter or are people just uh, self-segregating that's a problem they could but if there's more choices i think it would if it's there's just it's hard because they these people do self-segregate but they did that since the beginning of time i don't think that's a fresh new thing i don't i think people did like they do in in terrible ways and just normal ways right people like the golf people you know sure. um, and so i think that happens but i just don't know um what can be done about that? That's human beings, right? I don't know, in some ways. But we certainly don't have to give them more tools to be able to separate um, 
the way they have been. Understood. You have your um, your finger to the wind on this. Mm -hmm. Tell me, do you feel like we're, we're making any any progress, or are we still um, still right at the early days? Well, you're starting to see it as people, you know, one thing that's great about tech is the big leaders die eventually, you know, and so AOL used to be the thing. And now I don't know what happened to that or Yahoo, you know, look at the Facebook's recent earnings, little problems there, you know, little lots of problems besides investing in the metaverse. But like, here, here's a good example. We're going into the metaverse. Uh, maybe we should have rules about that before we get there. Um, you know, instead of letting them make up the rules as we go along, uh, we're, as we move into deeper AI, maybe have the government involved in all kinds of stuff. Maybe we think about safety more. We pressure them into thinking about safety. Um, the issue is they don't have to do anything. They're not compelled. They are not compelled to do anything. And if you're not compelled, everyone's like, oh, how could they do that? I'm like, well, because we let we create a system where they can. It's sort of when people are arguing recently about taxes, Elon Musk or whoever paying taxes. I'm like, he's availing himself to the system that exists. What do you want him to do? Like, well, he should be a better person. I'm like, you know what? You're not his mama. Maybe he should. Maybe he shouldn't. I don't know. Like, he's these are people availing themselves to the system as it exists. And so, if we want a better system, create a better system. I'd love to, at this point, I'd love to blame the tech companies, but ultimately it comes down to us and the government we choose to do these things. And if the government's not gonna get involved at, at some point, you know, I was had an interesting interview with Elizabeth Warren. She was talking about these tax things. I was like, well, change the law then, it's hard. Sorry, that's your job. I don't know what to say. Like ultimately attacking, I don't think it's the right thing to do. And lots of people don't, not to, you know, but I don't know. I just feel like we have to, we get the we get the results we deserve if we don't have the laws in place to have the outcomes that we want. And so taxes is a very good way to look at that. It taxes people with income, not people with stock. Well, change that. Why are why are you, I don't know. I assume you get more income than stock, and so because you're a doctor, um, you sh you're paying the load, right? Well, change that so that people that everybody has to pay, to pay no matter what that is. Like rich people shouldn't be able to just buy stock, borrow from it, and then never make income and never pay tax. Like that makes sense, but pass that law then. So it's the same thing with social media and everything else. It makes sense that they shouldn't. They should moderate better. They should. They should be liable. Well, then pass that law. Like then pass that. That's what a democracy is all about. And unfortunately, it's achingly slow, and in this case, quite damaging. Um, especially around. We've seen it so clearly around public health. Um, how damaging it can be. I'll let that be the last word. Thank you very much, my thank guest uh, on this episode of Sound Practice has been uh, Kara Swisher. Kara, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. My thanks to Kara Swisher for her time. Ms. Swisher's insights on social media and free speech are greatly appreciated. Thanks also to the American Association for Physician Leadership for making this podcast possible. Please join me next time on Sound Practice. We release a new episode every other Wednesday. Bada -bing, bada -boom. Bada -bing, bada -boom. You've been listening to Sound Practice, the business podcast for physicians and healthcare leaders. Check out the show notes for this episode at soundpracticepodcast.com. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, we'd love to hear them. Email us at info at soundpracticepodcast.com. Subscribe to Sound Practice wherever you listen to podcasts so you can automatically receive our episodes. And please rate us and comment on the podcast in iTunes and Google Play. 
Sound Practice is presented and produced by the team at American Association for Physician Leadership. We are the world's premier organization for all aspects of physician leadership in every sector of healthcare. Learn more at physicianleaders.org. Had his holy cow, but man Robin went from kapow.